both partners kind of need to step into that because otherwise it does get lopsided. And one partner can often just keep giving and giving and giving and get burnt out or get fried or get resentful. But when both partners are making that good faith effort to take care of themselves, which like you said, totally involves getting support outside the relationship, right? Whether that's therapy, physical practice, uh, men's groups, art therapy, dance, you know, there's so many different things, but, but our partner, you know, can't fill our bucket for us. everybody. Welcome back to another episode with Jason. Always love these ones. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, glad to be back. So today we're talking about something that's a bit sensitive, but it is a trend that has come up, I would say, for both of us in our love relationships and many, many of our clients. And this is what happens when your partner is dysregulated. Um, And we're going to talk about regulation a lot this episode. So I think it might be worth just touching on what do we mean when we say regulated and what do we mean when we say dysregulated? So maybe we could start there. Would you like to just bring us in on what those two terms are talking about? Um, Yeah, this is a big topic, obviously. There's lots of different frames for this, but just at a nervous system level, you know, regulated is when we're relaxed and present and open for connection in a lot of ways. Uh, Our heart rate tends to be lower, our breathing tends to be deeper, and usually we're present in the moment, something we talk about a lot. When we're dysregulated, oftentimes we're either kind of on one of two poles. One, just kind of shut down turned off in a sense, not really any energy, not any engagement. The other would be too wound up. So actually anxious or highly reactive um, and energetic in a sense, but often in more in a state of kind of rumination, higher heart rate, kind of panicky is another way to think about it. And you know, we can see this, at least I can see this obviously a lot as a parent in, 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 with, with a child of when they're just like too tired or they've been too stimulated. It's kind of the everything that might normally work doesn't work. Types of conversations or routines, it's just like nothing's working and there's high levels of frustration or emotion that um, are dysregulated, you know, show point to signs of dysregulation. Versus, you know, when my child is regulated, yeah, we can have conversations. They're open for connection, uh, able to follow routine and tasks and order and whatnot. And that same process, you know, shows up for us as adults. That was a great overview. And I love that you brought 
a child into it because she's, I think, three. She's kind of three turning four at this point. So it's really obvious. <laughs> it's yeah. very obvious, right? Big emotion, big tantrums, big frustration, big meltdown, a lot of just emoting and um, output. Uh, when we grow up and we become adults, it doesn't necessarily look that obvious. But um, yeah, dysregulation can look like irritability, snapping, being short, anxious, um, freaking out. <laughs> like the normal words that we use for the state are just like, I'm freaking out. I'm not okay. Or I'm kind of in freeze, right? Like I'm depressed, mm-hmm. I'm down, I'm withdrawn, I'm moody, I'm um, just not really okay. And I think it's normal and important to say that it is normal for us to go in and out of states of regulation and dysregulation. So no, nobody is regulated all the time. It's just not possible because life is hard. Life is hard and modern life is hard. I saw a meme the other day that said, we, we do things now that it used to take tens to hundreds of people to do all by ourselves and then wonder why we're so tired. So we, we live very isolated lives now. And so we're doing everything ourselves. Um, this includes, you know, things like childcare, but also just cooking and cleaning for yourself, right? Like when you don't have any help and you have one of those days where you're like, I'm just tired. Like I don't have the energy in me. And then you eat unhealthy food because you order in and then it affects your body. And then you're more dysregulated. You know, life is hard. Life is hard. So it's not, we're not saying, you know, it's a problem if your partner is dysregulated sometimes, but we are going to be talking on this episode about what happens if your partner is dysregulated a lot, like they are frequently dysregulated and they perhaps rely on you for emotional regulation, for regulating. This is a pattern that we see a lot and one that you've sort of lived, you've had experience here. And I'm curious if we can start maybe with your with your experience of what that was like to be with a partner who was pretty dysregulated a lot of the time. Like, what was your experience like there? Yeah, I think what's what's key here is, um, like, sometimes we talk about this is a this is a dosage thing. So I, I do just want to say first and foremost, one of the greatest resources we have with each other in regu- in relationship is the ability to co-regulate. It's like one of the actual benefits, and why do you put all this time and energy into creating? you know, a we, it's for this because suddenly it's like, okay, our nervous system can kind of take on more in the world. But what we're talking about here is um, when it becomes a little more lopsided or uneven, or um, there's just challenge in that. that. And um, another thing I just want to sneak in there is the thing about regulation and dysregulation is it's kind of like being sick and not sick, right? When you're not sick, you just like part of what feels good is you're not feeling sick. Right. And then you feel sick and you're like, wow, oh my God, I'm gonna be so happy. Be so grateful next time I'm not sick. And then when you're not sick, you're just like, you don't think about it. Right. Regulation is kind of like that. There's just like a, I'm here, I'm available. Right. And when we're dysregulated, it feels really intense. And it's that contrast that is often 
I think the most obvious um, to see. But yeah, I had a partner who um, suffered an autoimmune disorder and, um, you know, was pretty newly diagnosed when we first met. So she hadn't quite learned how to live with it herself yet. And we were both kind of a little bit more introverted. And so a lot of that fell on me just in terms of when she was feeling down, she needed a lot of support and attention from me in terms of like sometimes literally being in intense physical pain. Um, And the problem we started to hit was when I was also dysregulated. So if I was exhausted or didn't have the energy to kind of show up or be present for her, that caused a lot of conflict because she didn't quite have a network yet at that time to get support outside of me. I strongly encouraged it, but it was something that was, you know, still in process for her. And that would cause us both pain then, because then there was both the pain of, you know, what she was actually going through, but then the pain of also feeling rejected because I needed to take space. And I think that was a, a, a big one in that sense. And there were times that I was not doing a great job of taking care of myself. You know, I've shared bunches of those stories on here. And so I wasn't actually often even able to show up with full um, presence and energy and attention to really connect with her, which then added another layer of discomfort between us and um, dysregulation. Thank you for speaking to that. You know, one of the things that I heard one of the things that I heard was it sort of kind of worked when you were, when you were regulated, when you were resourced, it broke down when you weren't. And that's, I think something that we see a lot that I've witnessed in our men who are in these kinds of relationships is it sort of kind of works when they are resourced and they can be that support that she's wanting and they can show up well and they can, you know, be there to help her regulate. And when they can't, when, like you said, they're exhausted or they lost their job or their parent is sick or their friend is um, on suicide watch, right? Something's going on for them or even just smaller things, right? They're just, they're just exhausted. They just had a really long work week. Like that's not, I'm not just talking about extreme things, but just when they're not able to then provide that same level of resourcing there's a reaction, right? There's a resentment on, on the woman's part of like, where are you? Like, I'm not okay. I need you to be here with me so that you can help me be okay. And there can be rage that comes up of like, why aren't you, um, this is an, ex- this is extreme, but I'm just going to say it like this. Like, why aren't you serving me? You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. Right? You're supposed to be helping me feel better. And where are you, right? You're in, you're here in the room, but you're not really present or you're not here. And I'm enraged that you're not here. Again, I'm taking this a little bit to an extreme, but I do think that there's a lot of truth to, it can feel, well, you can speak to this, I think from your experience, but what I have witnessed in, in our men is that this is exhausting. It's draining. It, it takes a toll over time a big toll. Like it's, it's really, really draining because there's sort of a relentless quality to it. (laughs) It's like, there's not really a break. 
It doesn't really feel like he has space for himself. It doesn't, sometimes it's like, it doesn't even really feel like she's ever okay, which is not really the case, but this is what I'm pointing to a sort of, if this is chronic, if this pattern is chronic, it can be really, really hard and really tiring. Can you say a little bit about what your experience of that, that part was? Um, yeah, it just started to be less fun. I mean, that was the main thing of just like, oh, it, you know, a, a common word we often men seem to battle with is this idea of burden. And uh, it's like, there's like a heavy, right? You can just, uh, oh my gosh, she needs support again. Or here we go. It's not fun. There's no play. There's no energy. It's like, uh, and it began to feel like a burden sometimes to connect. And that is definitely exhausting in the long term because then it's like, well, then why am I even in this? Like I'm putting a lot of energy in, but I'm not necessarily getting a lot of energy out, I think is where, um, you know, I certainly was at different points in that relationship. And a lot of men kind of fall into if they're not getting some energy back in some regard, and they're just kind of constantly trying to take care um, of their partner. And, you know, unsurprisingly, I think one of the reasons we see this a lot in our clients is it can be really closely related to nice guy syndrome. And that this is not the universal case, but for a lot of nice guys, part of kind of the origin story of that, so to speak, is having a dysregulated parent, oftentimes in particular, a dysregulated mother who at an early age, kind of one of the foundational principles of that relationship gets broken, where instead of parent regulating child, child quickly learns, oh, push my needs down so I can co-regulate mom or dad and make him or her feel better. And unsurprisingly, (laughs) that pattern they learn then stays with them through life. And it can always feel like, yeah, they're having to um, make the people around them feel better. And at the cost of of their own nervous system many, many times. Yeah. And that's the part that I want to talk about because the there this is a sensitive topic. This is a really sensitive topic. And I am, I think, a good woman to speak from this place because I would say that I um have had trouble regulating over the course of my life. So I've not been a sort of steady sort of, what do they call it? Like a steady eddy. Like I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. I am emotional. I do have big feelings. I have big swings. Um, and (laughs) it's funny because I want to be very clear that we're not in this episode. We are not saying that anyone needs to be any different than they actually are. That is not what we're saying. And I don't feel like I need to be different than I am. And, um, I need a lot of support. I need a lot of support and I get a lot of support, right? I have set things up in my life to be able to have multiple sources that help me regulate. So I don't put it all on my partner. And that's really what we're talking about is diversifying the number of places that you get support and that she gets support. And I'm going to give you a couple of 
of examples. Um, one of the places I get support from is my close friends and I keep in pretty, pretty close contact with them. And so I'm processing what's going on in my life and in my relationship with my close friends. I also get somatic therapy on a weekly basis. Um, I use exercise to regulate. That's one of my strategies. Um, I live in a house with other people. I have housemates. I have spent a lot of time and energy and attention on co-living environments throughout the course of my life because when I live with people, I am more regulated. When I see people on a regular basis and it's easy, right? I don't have to fight to see them. I don't have to cross town. I don't have to see if they're available, right? I don't have to kind of make a big effort. I am more regulated. So again, the ways that we live in modern culture actually tend to have us more dysregulated, not less. We used to live in environments where we were embedded in community. We were embedded in it. We were part of it. It was part of us. We were part of it. So we were doing things like helping the kids, even if they weren't our kids, we were helping children, which gives you a sense of value and purpose in the world, right? You're doing something for someone. We were helping the elderly. There was, there was community around all the time and we were part of it. And that helps us to co-regulate. We are social animals. We are the same as, you know, monkeys and dolphins and other pod-based um, groups, and yet many of us are living these isolated lives. So it's inherently harder for all of us to regulate. And so if you imagine a couple and, and both of them work from home, or even just one works from home, and it's the only person they're seeing a lot, it's really easy to become codependent. And so I'm just pointing it out to say that this is a big part of the equation and a big part of how I have learned to regulate is co-living, co right? Living with other people, being around other people on a very, very regular basis, particularly as an extrovert. I need a lot of interaction. I need a lot of attention to feel good, to feel okay, to feel regulated. So part of what's awkward about this is that <laughs> a lot of our men, and I appreciate you saying that about, you know, the history or sort of like the, often the backdrop of this is that a man grew up in a home where there was a parent that he was he was regulating that he was helping to regulate and so he was pushing his needs down that is also often true of the person of the woman i'm just going to use this example we're talking about a man woman relationship where the woman is dysregulated a lot and the man is is helping her regulate a lot the woman often also comes from that background and she has her own, you know, story and her own situation. I know that's very true for me as I, my mother was very dysregulated and volatile and I did everything I could to like make sure she was okay. And frankly, try to preempt her upset. So I would like clean the house. I would, you know, I was, I trained in hypervigilance. And I think a lot of these women are my archetype, right? They are also hypervigilant, which if you haven't heard that as a term is kind of like, I'm, I'm sort of always on guard, right? I'm always tracking particularly the emotional states of people around me. Um, are they okay? Am I okay in their eyes? That kind of thing. And like, sometimes when I get dysregulated, I'll get really annoyed at the environment. Like, oh, why is the bathroom clean? Like, why did this person leave a dish out? Like I get, yeah, irritated, angry. Um, and I have to sort of keep myself in check around that. And, you know, 
I think there's a lot of value to understanding the reasons for this, like why we become this way. And I also want to be really clear that I have become much more regulated over the years. So as we do personal growth work, as we do somatic therapy, I guess I just want to say it fucking works. There is a reason to invest in this, right? In nervous system regulation. And I would also say I do do practices like morning yoga and exercise in the morning. I do my version of spiritual prayer. I don't like love the word prayer, but spiritual grounding work in the evenings, right? I do, I do things to kind of help myself regulate during, during the day and, and during the evenings. And I cultivate that practice. So it takes a lot actually to be a regulated human being. I guess that's what I want to say is it isn't like, Oh, just do these one, a few things. It's not, it doesn't work like that, but it can be done. And it's not any one thing. It's the addition of all of these things, right? It's having all of these things in place and knowing what to do and, and how to, how to work it when you are dysregulated. And like I said, it's sort of, it flows in and out. It's not like there's this goal of just like being happy all the time. That is not what we're talking about, but I want to go back to something that you said about, um, energy in a relationship and, and flow, because I think that, um, so if we talk about alpha and omega, we talk about polarity. One of the um, gifts of Omega is, is flow, is energy, is vivaciousness, is vitality, is um, sparkle, is just sort of like, we, you know, we say that alpha is the banks of the river and Omega is the water. It's the rushing water. It's exciting. It's, it's flowing. It's music. It's dance. It's, you know, and we all have both alpha and Omega, but in a relationship, if one person is holding the alpha pole more the person that's holding the omega pole like has a big role in that relationship to to be in her flow and to like bring energy and vitality to the relationship and i and i and one thing that i hear from my men a lot and i work with both men and couples is like when she is happy when she's in a good place when she is radiant it brings him so much energy like her, when I say like being in her flow, I'm not talking about her putting attention on him necessarily, right? I'm not talking about her giving him a massage or giving to him, but like singing in the kitchen, right? Like just enjoying her body, enjoying what she's wearing, like just her being in her flow or just her radiance is inherently life-giving to her partner. And I see that over and over. And so when when she's in a dark place, when she's not able to bring her radiance, it affects the relationship. And I want to be cautious about this whole topic because I myself am sensitive to, I can't be like that all the time. There's no way I can be like that all the time. It's simply not possible. There are times when let's say I'm stressed financially, right? I'm worried. I'm, I'm preoccupied. I'm, and I, I do need help, right? I do need help. And there must be a balance. There must be a balance in a healthy relationship. There must be a balance. So there, the sort of thesis of this whole sort of discussion is it is each person's responsibility to tend to their nervous system, to come to the relationship 
with presence and energy. It is each person's responsibility to do that. And this is a really sensitive topic because it's, I think we're going to talk about how to talk about this with a partner, but I think it can come across as, or the fear is that it will come across as you're in a bad place and you should be in a better place. And that is not what we're saying, (laughs) right? That's not, that's not the gist of this. Um, But there is a lot of truth to that part about radiance, vitality, um, wellness, wholeness. It's like, it's a goal worth reaching for inherently, and it also affects the relationship drastically. Can you say a little about that? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, um, particularly over the last years as we've been working more with with couples and, and men in existing relationships. And uh, there's actually a paradox here of a, a two-part commitment that, that I believe in, at least when it comes to relationship, that, um, yeah, part of the Part of what makes relationship work is a deep commitment to being overly generous with taking care of and tending our partner's nervous system. But that has to be paired with and matched with the other responsibility of what you just said. It's each partner's responsibility to take care of themselves and tend their nervous system so they can show up in the relationship with enough energy and presence to be able to connect. So it's kind of both things right? Like one way you can think about a relationship is when we do become really generous with, with making offerings to our partner's um, nervous system, but that, you know, it's kind of the, you know, you got to put the um, oxygen mask on yourself first. You can't even do that unless you're taking care of yourself first. But if both partners are tending their own system, suddenly you have energy (laughs) to be generous to your partners. And that's where it can be a very generative relationship. But the thing I've seen here, and you know, honestly, where this often shows up in long-term relationships is around sex. Is a couple is feeling disconnected sexually um, in terms of physical intimacy. And often what gets in the way, you know, if there's kids or really busy jobs, is we don't have enough energy. It's the end of the day and we just uh, I just want to watch TV. I, I just I can't do it. I can't I can't go there. And this is where something I've become pretty passionate about and you know an edge i often have to work in my own relationship is well if i want relationship to work i have to do the work so as we get older you know we don't necessarily always have a ton of time to spend relationally with our partners so when we do have that time what do i have to do so to speak in the day to day so i can show up into that space really actually able to be present and ready to connect which can include, you know, um, sexual intimacy in that. And this is one that scares, you know, kind of freaks a lot of people out because sometimes there's big choices that have to be made, right? Of, well, I never have time because I work, you know, work takes too much or I'm just exhausted physically all the time. Well, then we have to start looking at taking responsibility for like, oh yeah, how do I, how do I need to start eating differently so I can show up in my relationship? What kind of boundaries do I need to set at work so I can show up in my relationship? How do I actually have to structure my life differently uh, to be able to show up and actually be available? I think I mean, that's the word I was looking for is to to actually be available to connect and relate to our partner. If we're too fried and dysregulated, we're actually not available, right? Um 
you know, dysregulated in other ways you can think about that is like, yeah, shut down, freeze, collapse, or just on edge, right? I think that you were, you were talking about that. There's like that hypervigilant, like I'm on edge and you can feel it when someone's on edge and they're not, often they're not actually present in the room in the same way. They're looking into the future or ruminating about the past, but they're not actually right there. And so this responsibility of, well, if I want my relationship to work, it's up to me to take care of myself so that I can show up in the relationship available to connect, available to have um, interactions emotionally or, or physically. And that crosses a huge spectrum of taking care of ourselves physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. Um, and both partners kind of need to step into that because otherwise it does get lopsided. And one partner can often just keep giving and giving and giving and get burnt out or get fried or get resentful. But when both partners are making that good faith effort to take care of themselves, which like you said, totally involves getting support outside the relationship, right? Whether that's therapy, physical practice, uh, men's groups, art therapy, dance, you know, there's so many different things, but, but our partner, you know, can't fill our bucket for us. Like, like they ultimately can't. Um, they can kind of top it off, <laughs> you know, but there's got to be something in the bucket. Um, otherwise, it, it it doesn't really work. Yeah, I want to, I want to kind of highlight this part about getting outside support. So somatic therapy, everyone knows I'm a huge fan. And one of the reasons that I am a huge fan is because it can help us discharge a lot of stuck energy quickly if you're getting the right kind of somatic therapy. Um, Jason and I both get network spinal analysis, which is a form of somatic therapy that is heavily evidence-based. EMDR, somatic therapies are abound. I will drop in the show notes for this episode, the episode that we did entirely about somatic therapy, um, coaching like our program, places like our program, coaching, therapy, when I say therapy, I mean uh, talk therapy can also be very regulating for a lot of people. Um, Workshops, leaning leaning into personal growth work, essentially, right? Leaning in breath work is another way of, of discharging old stuck energy in the body because the body mind is only going to be able to be as open as it is physiologically. So if you don't have physiological space, then you're not going to be able to, to be open. What happens a lot is that we, because we do go in and out of these states, um, let's say there's a woman who, you know, is dysregulated a lot and has kind of been functioning herself somehow around that. When she finds a partner that can help her regulate sometimes it can be like, oh, wow, this feels a lot better. I'm getting the support that I've never gotten or that I've never gotten in this way. And so now this is the one place that I go, right? This is the, I know this is reliable. I know this works. I get the love and attention and approval that I need. Um, or even just, you know, physical touch, right. can be very co-regulating. So physical touch, affection, eye gazing is really good belly to belly breath, we can get into physiological hacks for those of you that are in relationship around co-regulation. But there's there can be this 
this reliance, right? This dependence, this reliance on this source of support, right? This becomes my primary source of support. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what if it's the if it's your sole source of support, <laughs> that is a problem, right? There needs to be a diversity of that in your life. And again, I want to normalize that we used to live in inter- intergenerational ways. We used to have access to elders. We used to be able to go to others with our burdens, with what we're going through, with our worries, with our concerns, with our with what's on our heart. There used to be a lot more people available all the time. And now we tend to be quite isolated. And so it's easy to fall into this pattern. I think that's what I want to say is I think it's very easy to fall into this pattern. And we have to actually be mindful and actually make efforts and take take strides to to overcome the hurdle of not becoming codependent. It's sort of like in modern life, codependence is easily the default. And so we need to take actions to stay interdependent. And like you said, you know, men's groups and women's circles and things outside the relationship can be a great resource. Um, I would also just say that, you know, this is not this is not a one-sided equation, right? Like I have had partners where they were dysregulated a lot and that, that came at a high cost. Um, they, I'm thinking of one man who trended towards what you were saying of just quite high strung, right? He would ruminate a lot. There was a lot of worry about the future. And so we would spend time together and it would feel like you're technically here. I mean, I'm seeing your body, but I'm not feeling you with me right? You're not really here. And it was, um, it caused distance, right? It created distance in the relationship. And he didn't have a lot of outside resources. He wasn't getting a lot of support outside the relationship. And I started to feel resentful. Like I'm, I show up with energy a good amount of the time. And I have a lot of, I have invested probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in my own nervous system by this point. I have invested a lot in that because to me, it's one of the most important things in my life and it does affect me, but it also affects the people around me, right? When I'm regulated versus dysregulated, like it's not that fun to be around me when I'm dysregulated. I'm really, really obvious about it. Like I'm not someone who can hide it very well. So this does happen on both sides of the equation. And in, in my experience, it was really hard to share that. And that's where I want to go next because I think that's really important is it was really hard for me to find the words and to say, I don't feel as connected to you a lot of the time because you're dysregulated. It felt like that would be offensive. You know, he would take it the wrong way. I didn't even really have those words at the time. I just, I didn't know how to do it. Like I didn't know how to say it. And so I left the relationship. And I want to talk about this because I think this is extra sensitive because the often the period of time during which we need to communicate this, it's not a great time. Like the person's going through a hard time. There's a reason that we're bringing it up. There's a reason that we're saying it. And so I'm curious, you know, in your case, I think I know the answer, but maybe we can explore it anyway. How, how did this conversation go? Did you have this conversation with the woman that you were with who was dysregulated a lot? You know, how did that go? How do you recommend men have this conversation? Cause it's, it's quite sensitive. Yeah. I can't say it went terribly well when I had it. Um, 
in in particular why that was is because you know in reflection if i look back I, I also wasn't really taking care of myself so there was a little bit of um unfairness and you need to take better care of yourself when i'm not actually right doing the same and uh, i think she picked up on that and you know we ended up parting ways because there were just some uh, ways we we didn't connect in that sense and i was getting a stronger sense if i need to go take better care of myself so I can be more available for a future partner and that I want a partner who has some capacity, right? Just, or not even capacity, but ha- already has some structure built in to her life. So there's not starting from scratch. And so, you know, the, I mean, the end result of that conversation was, you know, I transitioned into a new relationships and uh, found a new partner, my wife, who did and was, you know, already doing somatic therapy and yoga and pottery and different things to help her metabolize and process in her nervous system to um, learn to regulate herself in, in terms of how to have this conversation, you know, I have been thinking about that and it, it it ties into this kind of two pronged thing that my sense as a guy, um, if I was going to lead this conversation now, I would talk about what my commitment is. So I would share my commitment to us is that I want to be able to show up present, open, and connected with you and enough gas in my tank that I can be generous to you, which means here's some of the things I'm seeing I need to do to take better care of myself. So I would kind of start there with the commitment on my side and then kind of open the door to, and yeah, what about for you? What do you think would help you also be able to meet me in that? having enough gas in your tank to be able to show up to have some extra leftover to be generous. And then that could start a, a, a dialogue, right? On what kinds of support do we have? Well, what kind of support do we each have individually? What kind of support do we have us around, uh, around us as a couple? You know, you can, you can literally map this stuff out on paper. <laughs> um, you know, one of my teachers once said, you know, um, the quality of life is determined by how big is your system. And by system, it just means, yeah, what are all the structures you have around you? What are all the networks you're part of socially, globally, culturally, you know, in those different uh, ways. So you can actually map out. And the problem with a lot of codependent couples is their system's very small. The system is just me and you. So then if there's a problem in that two-part system, half of the system isn't working, right? It's, It's a big deal. But as you make your system bigger and you have more relationships you're involved in, at any given time, there's a lot more there's a lot more bandwidth available. So you could just kind of map out as a couple, like how big is our system? And you know, what do you need the most from me? Um, to really get honest about that. Like, what do you need the most from me? And then to have a conversation about our capacity, you know, to fill that for a partner or meet a partner in that. And there might be some boundaries there of like, yeah, I can totally, you know, one of the, one place I do remember this showing up sometimes would be, um, I was freelancing like crazy at at that time. And I often had a lot of work and I would work late into the night and my partner would need to talk on the phone for like two and a half hours. And I would be like getting tense because I knew I had so much to do. And it was like, my day was winding down and that was a boundary that, I didn't quite know how to set then that like, Hey, I love you. And I want to care for you. And 
I'm not available for a two and a half hour conversation right now. doesn't mean I don't care about you and love you, but I, like, I actually don't have that in me. And that, you know, was poison in our relationship because then I'd get resentful. I wouldn't be fully present. She would feel that, which would dysregulate her more. So then she would need even more support. And then I'd be like, ah, I have no more support to give. And, and you know, that was one of our, our dances there. Um, but I would start with what, you know, I'm talking to the men here in particular, like, what are you committed to doing to take care of yourself first so you can be more in service of the relationship? And once you've owned that, like been got some clarity around that, um, then kind of oh, start to explore with your partner where they might be willing to match you or meet you or mirror you in their own um, self-care. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's interesting because I, I have noticed that a lot of the men who've gone through our program have reported that their spouse or their woman, if they're partnered, that their woman has noticed their growth and their woman has noticed how they have shifted and how they have opened and how they're showing up. And they, and the woman has then said, I want to do something too. Like I'm seeing how much you're doing. I want to do something too. That's not always the case. It's not always A equals B, but I have noticed a trend where when you do your work in a meaningful way, sometimes your partner will also lean in in that way. So I love that as an intro. Um, and I think it's, I think it's um, important to name here that it's also, it's also important to include that this would have me feel more secure in our connection, right? You having outside support would have me feel more secure in our connection. Because that's, I think, something that is often missing on the part of the person who's more dysregulated more of the time is the effect or the impact on their partner. They, I think sometimes it's they're not seeing it or they're not aware of it. And so, you know, filling them in on it is important and fucking hard. Like, I just, I want to say, I get it. It's a really hard thing to do. It's a really sensitive thing to do, especially if someone is like, we're talking about not in a great place, right? If they're like job hunting and they've been job hunting for a while, or if their parent is ill, or if there's, you know, something going on with their friend, or they're just, you know, going through life, life is hard, shit happens. It's, it's, it's a sensitive topic. So something I would offer is this is a good conversation to have when you're regulated, right? When you're both regulated. So if you, you know, guidance on this is go on a date or do something outside the house that is relaxing that you both enjoy doing and then have this conversation. And um, I really like what you said, Jason, about framing it in terms of here's what I'm committed to and what are you committed to? And then I do think that it is appropriate, particularly if you're considering exiting the relationship, right? Especially if you're, if this is getting to the point where you're thinking of leaving, I do think it's, it's an act of generosity to say, I'm noticing that I'm needing something different in our relationship to feel secure. Are you open to hearing about that? Right? Yes. It's probably going to trigger her in some way, which is why you want to start at a more regulated place. But it's also really important. And if your partner was considering leaving you for a big reason, wouldn't you want to know about that? I would I would want to know. So I do think that it's it's 
really hard and really generous. And this is sort of almost like a part two to last week's episode about, you know, how do you ask for something different? This is a big version of that. This is a big version of, you know, I'm, I, I'm needing something to shift. I'm, I need you to have meaningful outside resources to go to, to go to, because, you know, I think about that, what you were saying about she needed to be heard. It was a deep need of hers to be heard, which I share as well. I need to be heard about the things that are going on in my life. I have cultivated a pretty substantial friend circle so that I have people that are interested in what I'm going through and want to hear outside of my partner. So he is not the only person that I'm going to. In fact, he's not always the first person I'm going to. Honestly, I have a lot of other people that I'm working things out with. <clears throat> so it's the solution is not don't have a two and a half hour conversation. It's I'm available sometimes and I need you to have other people to have that two and a half hour conversation with. So it's adding energy, adding support into the system, not you should have fewer needs. The message is not you should be different or you should have fewer needs or you should have fewer emotions. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about adding more to the equation, adding more to the interdependent web, adding more support in. That's really what we're saying. And, you know, I, I, I have been someone who hasn't had a lot of money in the past. So I understand that things like somatic therapy take financial investment. And um, like I said, I have invested heavily in that. Um, You know, when a couple is looking at their finances, I think it's important to look at things like this as an investment. This is an investment in our health. This is an investment in our relationship, right? Things like somatic therapy are an investment, not just a cost, (laughs) frankly. So just another way of looking at that and framing that same thing for something like talk therapy. And I understand that it is expensive. It can get expensive and, and life is hard. So I I guess I just want to say, um, I have a lot of compassion for those of you that are in this position and going through this particular pattern because it is really challenging and there isn't an easy solution. It's not, it's complex and it's important. It feels like a trend that we've seen repeatedly. So, um, and then the other thing I just wanted to highlight was you said something really important about um, you exited that relationship, right? That that particular person didn't get outside support. She wasn't really managing and adding structures and you know doing that work. And you left, and then you attracted from a new level of consciousness a partner who already had some of those structures in place. And I think that's an important point to make just as we're, you know, if you're someone who's dating or as you're, as you're listening to this, it's not that your current partner didn't have some of the same issues. It's that she has more resources and more support and help in moving through those issues. Can you speak to that a little bit as a man? Because I remember a man years ago saying, oh, my current girlfriend has all the same issues as my last one. She's just dealing with them. Yeah, I think, I mean, just a visual that's been coming to my mind is if you imagine we each kind of hold a ball of well-being that's kind of consists of our needs. And if it's just me and you and I'm like, here, hold this, suddenly you're holding all of my well-being. So if you trip or fall or need to go to the bathroom or like you could see like that's a big issue. But as we build the system around us, 
different people in our lives get to hold different parts of us. And suddenly that's distributed. And I think that's really, you know, what I experienced. And and I think what you're speaking to here is it's not that life's any less stressful. We don't want anyone to have any less needs. Like you said, it's how is that being handled? How big is the system that's being held in? And when we have multiple practices and uh, relationships and people to support us, suddenly it, it, all that burden isn't falling on one thing. You know, I, I we're us dudes, we love, um, you know, engineering and schematics. And I always talk about this in terms of like an electrical circuit. You have a single circuit, which is, okay, all the energy has to flow through this single point, which means if this single point goes bad, all the light bulbs on the whole Christmas string go out, right? The whole thing goes down. But when we have a parallel circuit, many of those can go down, but plenty of there's other pathways that keep things lit up in our, our, our social network, our relationships, primarily, whether it's relationships to practices or people or our job or our health, um, those are those parallel circuits. So the more we have ourselves resourced in that sense, the more no one person has to hold all that. And I think that's a difference that many people feel is, oh, I'm happy to be with you when you're stressed out or hurting, when I can feel you have a network around you, it actually relaxes me because then it's like, oh, that your well-being isn't solely falling on me. So I'm happy to give you my opinion and talk to you or share with you or yeah, resource you in some way because I know that I'm not the only avenue there. So there's not all that burden falling on me. And you know, we're primarily talking about this in terms of because uh, we're, we're speaking to men here a lot in terms of their partners, but it goes both ways. And there are plenty of women who we've talked to and known and worked with that because their man doesn't have any support around them, they can feel that of like, and this is a, you know, one of the sticky points I think we often see that we often talk about, you know, the power of men leading with vulnerability. And then sometimes they do it and the woman's like, whoa, they kind of get freaked out. It's not the vulnerability often that's the problem. It's usually this part that a man doesn't have enough resource or support around him. So a woman's like, whoa, I I don't know what to do with all that. It's like, I I literally, I can't handle that all for you. But that as men get resourced and community and connection and learning to take care of their nervous systems and just be, you know, pleasantly present (laughs) in their bodies and not gripped or agitated or the different thing or just, just exhausted like so many men are um can be hard to connect as a woman and there's plenty of women that you know i've talked about this dynamic before um don't want to be a man's mother right like literally i don't want to have to take care of you in that way in terms of if you're not feeling good the only way you can feel better is through your connection to me however if you have a lot of connect this is the the wild thing, right? If you have a lot of connection in your life and you have support, I totally want to shower you with love and praise and like adoration because I, I love you and I see how hard you're working. Um, it, this this goes both ways in partnerships, why? Which is why it's such a big commitment here, in, in a sense, and why you know one of the ways you can assure that you'll attract a different partner moving forward or can start to change the dynamic in a current relationship is you take responsibility for your side first. Uh, here's how I could get better at filling my bucket. So I'm not coming to you empty. I'm coming to you with resource to offer and give. 
And by stepping into that first, you're either going to create a space for your partner to match you in, to step into with you, or you're going to be able to attract a new partner who's who's really open to doing that. Yes. And I also want to shout out creativity as an outlet and a resource and a way of regulating that humans have used for centuries, basically since the beginning of time. So, you know, you mentioned pottery briefly. I would also throw out guitar, singing, bringing energy through our voice, writing, um, cooking can be a form of creativity, but whenever we're generating something, we tend to be moving energy through our body, moving energy through our body. And we talk about this sometimes in our program, the difference between regulating strategies that involve consumption versus creation. So consumption involves, you know, Netflix, um, games on your phone, uh, porn, food. So things that are coming into the system, things that you're consuming, uh, either visually or in your actual body versus creating. So again, cooking something interesting or new, uh, can you think of more create uh, one of our guys takes um uh bagpipes for example so music dance um anything where you're being creative with your physical physical body or writing anything where you're creating often we forget that in modern life we have often often i see and myself included we, that's not a go to for us and i just want to say that is a very powerful regulating strategy and one that you can bring in that is low cost, right? Where you don't need to, it doesn't involve a practitioner and it can be part of the suite of things that help you in this regard to a place to take all of that energy and, you know, angst or whatever it is that you're going through a place to take it and move it and work with it and massage it and have it be, have it be more malleable than sort of stuck in your system or, oh my God, I have to you know, have a two hour conversation with my partner in order to move this energy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, for with both partners to have some kind of creative outlet to metabolize, right? Another way to regulate is to metabolize, right? Where you take that material and you transform it into something new and that's so profound and that's so healing. Yeah. And the great thing about art is that then it can serve someone else too. So when you take what you're going through and you create something, like a poem or a piece of writing or, or food. Now it's like shareable. There's, there's something generative about, I've taken my pain, I've metabolized it. I've created this song and now other people hear the song and it it's cathartic for them, right? They get something out of it. They're like, oh man, I've been there. Like I feel, I felt that lyric. So there's something just connecting, inherently connecting about art and creativity and moving energy in that way. So yeah, as we start to wrap up here, um, if you resonated with this and you are sort of realizing, oh, I actually need more support in my life. I need more structures. I need more to be able to be regulated for my partner. And you're interested in working with us. You can go to evolutionary.men slash apply.